welcome to the Educated Hustle Podcast. This is your host, Paul Dysmodel Jr., my co-host, Emilio Porter. Emilio, what's going on, man? It's going good, man. It's going good. Just another day, another week out here talking about our favorite things, the hustle. <laughs> Funny you say that, man, because we got we got a we got a inspiring hustler on the the interview today, man. We got Mr. Sam Parr, who is co or founder of the Hustle Media Company. Uh, so very similar to what we're doing, we hustling, he's hustling. So it's gonna be an interesting interview. Yeah, it's it is, and you know, I think one of the things that we we see it a lot, but we never really think about the logistics behind this media. And he, you know, during the interview, actually kind of breaks down how we get our media and digested. And he says a lot of gems that, as he was talking, I realized, you know what, that is so true. And um, I think it's very interesting with media in general because everyone gets their media from different um, different areas. Me personally, I get a lot of my media from Twitter. You know, I'm a big Twitter person. I think I follow, like, every live event on Twitter because it's always on Twitter. And then, you know, sometimes, sometimes Facebook. And then one of my, you know, guilty, guilty pledges, I hate to admit, but, you know, my girl got me on TMZ. So (laughs) it's all, I mean, you know what? I feel like it's the more tame world star. Like, on world star, I feel ashamed. But on TMZ, it's more like, at least they, they make it somewhat professional so <laughs> those are kind of just how i get my news throughout the day <laughs> but it's crazy how we depend on 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 our friends and family now or, or people that we follow on social media for news because you know back in the day it was like a newspaper resource it was um a television channel that we'd have to you know watch to get the news but now the majority of our consumption is just from random articles that that people post online, and then you just like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Let me click on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly, and I mean that all, that's all due with technology. The, the reality is like we're such a we're an impatient society, and internet handles that impatience by always letting us within the arms reach having something that we can see to to digest to to comment on to 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 speak on i mean you know it's whenever you watch any live event there's always a big twitter following who are live tweeting you know people engage that way and back in the day there was no way to have that engagement but now that we can do that it you know it lights a, a, a firestorm and a lot of companies now are starting to realize that that digital marketing, digital presence is the future. And, you know, if you're not able to harness it, it really, really will affect your bottom line sooner than later. Agreed. Yo, imagine if the internet just stopped existing or, like, didn't work anymore, man. I I don't think people would know how to act. You don't have to imagine that. When your power goes out, that's basically what happens. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, (laughs) yeah, like, everybody at the same time, though, that'd be crazy. It would be crazy. It would be crazy. It'd be pandemonium. But eventually, you know, I mean, humans, we're, we, we adapt. So it would be a while of craziness. But then you eventually learn that's your reality. I mean, it's fiction. So it's hard to say, look at this example. But, you know, a good example is The Walking Dead. They have nothing and they just resorted back to the basics of human, you know, technology to where you, you're, you're traveling, you're hunting. And we have it in us to do all that. It's just once again. The situations we're in don't really allow us to. So I mean, my thing is, I think that we would we would overtake 
most of those crises of the internet were to drop. But I will say that if it did drop, it would be like people would go crazy and oh man, it'd be uh, pandemonium. But I think after that whole pandemonium covered, people would be able to take a breath and realize, all right, where do we go from here? <laughs> man, I, I I think people would be like, how could I even tweet? You know, I feel like people would 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 go into like Twitter. Um, what's it, man? I can't even think of the word, but they would be they would be in Twitter. Withdrawal. Yeah, there you go. Twitter withdrawal, mm-hmm. bro. I feel like people would be in corners, just like I can't, I can't troll. I can't put the Jordan cry face on somebody. I, mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like yo, I feel like psychologists they would see that their uh, their businesses go way up. Yeah, I mean, you know, but it, it all goes back to that old, you know. Darwinism theory, only the strong survive. So if you can't get out that corner, you're not gonna make it long. And then, you know, if there's if the internet goes down, hopefully there's no uh, there's no apocalypse sign things because I think when you have like you know apocalypse sign things like a zombie invasion or the earth cracking open, you don't got a lot of time to kind of sit in the corner and wonder why you can't tweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, man. <laughs> but yeah, just want to get your thoughts on that, but. Uh... Yeah, back on to our guest today, man. Sam, uh, he's going to definitely drop some knowledge about how the media uh, is transforming uh, on a daily basis. So, you know, he drops a gem about how the main media outlets, you know, CNN, Fox News, they're like, you know, their average uh, eight viewers like in their upper 60s. So by the time, you know, those people are no longer around, uh, there's going to be a... A, a, a new big dog in the media outlet that's going to come and arise and overtake the the big dogs that are out right now. So um, Sam's in a in an interesting area, uh, you know, area in life where he can insert himself into that arms race and hopefully uh, through his uh, website called The Hustle, he's going to hopefully get get to to that big stage one day. Mm-hmm, exactly, and he, he tells like it is. Doesn't sugarcoat it. Very open and, you know, just very cool to listen to because he's honest about his business and what he expects and how he sees the world. And you're going to get a lot of that um, in the interview. But I mean, you know, I think with uh, all the apocalypse and internet going down, I think we should head to what you guys really came for and introduce Mr. Sam Parr. And today's guest is Mr. Sam Parr, founder of The Hustle, which is one of the fastest growing media companies. Sam, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. I'm very great today. All righty. We just want to jump right in and ask, um, can you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about what The Hustle is and how you got started with it? Yes. Yeah, so The Hustle is a media company geared towards millennials. Um, we we write business news. Uh, so... It's a kind of like a combination of The Daily Show and The Wall Street Journal. Um, we are we launched um, we started the business a year ago, but we we um, ra- raised some money and did a, a slight relaunch last April, so six months ago. And since then, we've been able to uh, grow to about three million monthly readers uh, and hit profitability, which is tough for a media company early on. Um, the way that we started this, uh, well, that's a that's a that's a long story, but the gist of it is uh, we 
before this, I, I had another company that I ran. Um, it was the world's first roommate iPhone app. And um, my partner and I started it, and then it got acquired. And after that, I was looking for something to work on. And so I hosted an event because I wanted to host a concert, but I didn't know a lot of musicians. So I hosted like a tech conference instead. And it grew a lot faster than I expected. And because of that, uh, I started a media company so I could talk to my attendees throughout the year. And one thing led to another, and here we are. All right. Wow. That's a fascinating road. And I think one of the coolest things about that is you have a history of success and you showed it during your answer. And I know a lot of people, they dream of being CEOs one day. So as someone who's been through two successful ventures, what in your opinion does it take to be a successful CEO? Um, well, you know, I'm still learning. I think there's a difference between being a CEO and a business owner. Um, so my last companies, all of our last companies um, in college, I had a, a, a company that paid my way through school. And uh, for every company I had, I only had like three or four employees. Now with this business, this is the first company, you, you know, before I, I, it was, we got acquired early on um, and my other company was pretty small, um, but we were able to use the internet. So it was really efficient, but this one is a lot, it's going to be a lot bigger. So uh, we're going to, we're doubling in size uh, every couple months and hiring a lot of people. And so the difference between being a CEO and business owner is something I'm still learning how to do. With being a CEO, it's more about being a leader, whereas being a business owner, it was more about executing and just doing the work. Whereas now, with being a CEO, I'm not always doing the nitty gritty stuff, but I'm trying to learn how to make people comfortable and make them happy and also challenge them. Uh, and that's like a totally different skill set from being a business owner. So I'm still learning. Um, how to be a leader. It's, it's, it's tough because there's a lot of things that you don't think about, like how to handle an employee when someone in their family passes away, you know, how to balance whether they get their work done, but also making sure that they know that they've got a safe place where they can work and feel comfortable even when someone passes away. So those types of things are things I'm still learning and it's really difficult, but it's very rewarding when it, when it, when it works out. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And and you mentioned in, in a, earlier in your answer about, you know, you had some businesses while you were in school. Uh, could you talk to us about some of the biggest lessons you learned early on about those? Uh, the, I think you, I believe you had an online liquor store and a hot dog stand business. Could you, can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I was in college, I went to college on a track and field scholarship. So I had my tuition taken care of, but I wanted to... Um, start a business and I couldn't do that while I was an athlete. So I ended up quitting athletics and I started a, um, a company and, and I, so I had to pay the bills and I decided to start a hot dog stand because at the time I, I don't anymore, but at the time I wanted to be able to drink beer. I wanted to be able to work for myself and I wanted to be, be able to be outside. And I was like, well, all those things add up to, I should just start a hot dog stand because I don't have a lot of money and I don't want to have to, <laughs> you know, that's, it just kind of worked out that way. So I started this company called Southern Sam's. It was called Southern Sam's Wieners as big as a baby's arm. And I would give discounts to people who um, uh, put sent photos of their baby's arms in a bun with mustard on it. And it was awesome. And so what I learned about that was like making money is really fun and it's really hard work, but it's, it's way um, more rewarding when you're not working for someone else. Uh, so that's why I did that. And those are the big lessons I learned. But with that business, what I learned was making money on the internet is like way better because 
my stands were closed at night when no one was working them, but uh, with and the internet is open all the time. And so after that, I started an online liquor store. The reason I did that was uh, craft beer is really popular nowadays because of a law that was enacted in the 90s that allowed small-time brewers to not have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for a liquor license. And a similar law in Tennessee was enacted that, uh, that was just like that, but for whiskey. So these small-time whiskey guys were able to make this really cool craft whiskey, and, and they didn't know how to use the internet. And so I just created a, a liquor store called Moonshine Online and sold liquor, and that made way more profit than the other companies. So that's when I learned about that the internet was awesome. Um, so after that, I um, started the roommate matching business, and uh, um, there's been a lot of lessons, I guess, th throughout all those. Okay, okay. And now I kind of want to take it a different way. You actually um, started a book club called the Anti-MBA. What I want to ask you about that book club is, what was the book that most affected you and how? Yeah, so I started that book club after I sold my first business. Um, I started it because I, uh, after you sell a company to someone, you have to go and work for them for a certain amount of time. So I had to work for a year. So I, w I wasn't really like, I shouldn't, I wasn't really able to like start my own company or anything. So I started a book club for fun just so I could like network and still kind of scratch my entrepreneurial bug, but it didn't make money or anything. Um, and the book that, uh, there's three books that made the biggest impact on myself. And I think the rest of everyone else, the first one that made the biggest impact was the, uh, it was called Titan, the biography of John Rockefeller. Um, I, I was really interested in it because I love history, but also because John Rockefeller was, um, the most successful business person probably ever. Uh, but he was also a really good person and, and really good to his family. And he was mostly, he was mostly honest and mostly a good guy. Uh, the, the second best book that, uh, or the most impactful book was called The Ad Week Guide to Copywriting by Joseph Sugarman. And what that book is about is in the 1970s and 80s and well before that, but th this book's about the 80s. Uh, these, there's these guys called direct, direct marketers and they would basically write letters to random people's homes and try to sell them like vacuums and all types of other crap that people need and sometimes don't need. And they were able to convince these people to buy something just using a letter. And I found that fascinating. And this book is all about how to do that because I think that communication is really important. Um, and the third book was um, Man's Search for Meeting by Viktor Frankl. Um, it's a really cool book about a, um, a Jew during the Holocaust. Uh, and, and he talks about uh, what he thinks is the meaning of life, especially when you are in some horrific place like a concentration camp. And I thought that, that was really insightful. And it makes all of our worries about money and dumb business pursuits, it puts it into perspective that uh, it just helps make helps alleviate stress when you know that there's more to life than just making money. Yeah, it seems like you have a, a whole catalog of books that you just really take time to dive into. Um, how do you find the time to to finish these books and I think you have like a, you give yourself a month to finish a whole book. Um, yeah. So like I go through spurts. So in the book club, it was, I, I would read probably a book a month, sometimes more. Um, that's not hard to do at all. That if you just, I buy the book on audio, I buy the, the, the audible copy, but I also buy the Kindle copy. So I listen to it while I walk or drive somewhere and then I read it at night before I go to bed. So you could get a book a month. That's pretty easy. Now I, but then there'll be times where I won't do, I, I, I won't really 
read much at all. But now I do about a book a week. And it's actually really easy because Kindle has the um, – do you guys use Kindle? Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with it, yes. Okay, so I, I, I – wait, do I use Kindle? Yeah, well, I have an, uh, like a little iPad, and I got the Kindle app. And what it does is it tells you what percentage you are through the book. So if you just divide up the whole book into seven or um, sevenths, or in my case, sometimes I'll do a book every two weeks, so divide it into fourteenths, then you just know what percentage you have to read every night, and that's usually only like twenty-five to thirty minutes. So it's pretty easy when you break it up into uh, fourteen parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that percentage thing is very clutch. That's one of the things I love about Kindle that they give you that percentage, and I also like how they can basically tell you how long it'll take you to finish the book because they can estimate your reading speed based on what you know how fast you go through it. So Kindle, yeah, that's I mean, top stuff. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. really sweet because I'll just like, um, I think to a book that's 400 pages, uh, to read that whatever percentage you need to that night in order to get it done in 14 parts, it only takes like 30 minutes or less. So I usually mm-hmm. read between 11.30 and midnight, and then I just go to bed at midnight and get up at 7, and then sometimes I'll listen to the audio book if I walk somewhere. If I walk to work, then I'll listen to it, and it gets done pretty easy. Mm-hmm. You hear nice. that, people? If you want to be successful, you got to read. You got to read. <laughs> um, Sam, I want to go to a, another different um, avenue. You actually have been on a coast-to-coast motorcycle trip. Could you describe that experience and what you actually learned from it? After I sold the first business, I wanted to um, take a couple, a couple weeks off to explore. So I ended up taking about six weeks off Um and I drove my, I, I like to ride motorcycles a lot. So I drove my motor, I, I basically just bought um, uh, a good book, a good backpack and then I packed a little bit of clothes in it. And then I just kind of took off on my motorcycle. I, I didn't, I wasn't exactly sure where I was going to go, but I ended up going for like 50 or 60 days. And I went from here uh, between all the different states and made my way to North Carolina and was able to touch the ocean so I could go from coast to coast. And then I, I rode back. Um, and then went to a lot of the states in between. Um, and it was amazing. Um, it was very cheap. Uh, I did not spend a lot of money at all. And it was completely worth it. Um, what, what was the exact question? Uh, we just, you know, I just wanted to know what you kind of learned from the Like, I'm sure that, oh, that yeah, opportunity yeah. was amazing. Yeah, I think it's, where, where do you guys live? Uh, I'm in Orlando. My co-host is in uh, Michigan. Okay, so um, I, I reckon it's like that anywhere you go, but basically where I live in San Francisco, uh, it's really easy to get caught in this little bubble where you think that the whole world is just like you. I remember when I lived in Nashville, I thought everyone on earth listened to country music because that's what they listened to there. When I lived in St. Louis, I thought everyone loved the Cardinals because that's what everyone likes in St. Louis. And out here in San Francisco, I thought everyone was interested in startups and everyone like um, – was like uh, and this gluten-free bullshit and like this like high-end like <laughs> high-end stuff. But then I like traveled and I'm like, man, like it's good to be outside your bubble and you have to learn about um, what other what other, even though we're in America, there's still lots of different cultures in America. And it's I think it's important to realize that most likely what you're used to is probably just a small fraction of how the world acts um, and or lives or in this case, America. And I think it's important to see different perspectives because it's easy to get caught up in whatever bubble you're in. Um, it was also interesting. I think that, um, there's rednecks and there's hippies and there's, um, rich people and there's, 
um, good people and there's racists every single town and city in, in the country. And I thought that was cool. I thought it was interesting. I think that 95% of people are very, very, very good people. And you can see the same type of person wherever you go. And I thought that that was interesting. Yeah, that, that is pretty interesting. Do you have like a specific uh, town or, or city that you found that was most interesting out of the whole, you know, entire trip? I think Colorado. So I think California is probably number uh, the top three. There's like three states. I think that are just like maybe the most beautiful Hawaii, California and Colorado. I love California, but I live here, so I'm biased. But I think that Colorado, some of the small towns like Telluride, there's this other town called Ure and another one um, called Silverton. These little towns in Colorado, I think it's almost like you've been to they, they look like they're in the Swiss Alps or something like that. And I think that they're absolutely amazing. And, and I think that everyone should go to Colorado. You don't need to travel. Well, you could, but you don't have to travel to Switzerland or Italy or somewhere crazy far and expensive in order to experience some of the most beautiful mountains in the whole world because we have them here in Colorado. So those are my, um, it's called Telluride, Ure. It's a really hard, the second one's hard to pronounce. Ure, it's like O-U-R-Y. And then um, Silverton. Okay. Hope everyone's taking notes. Colorado on the mountains. I mean, I, it's, it's amazing to hear that because, you know, like you said, a lot of people always think you have to leave the country to see something beautiful. So it's nice to know, hey, you can save some money, go to Colorado and really get your, you know, breath taken away at some remarkable beauty out there. Right. I stayed, um, I used couch surfing, so I stayed places for free and I drove there. But if you wanted to fly there, you know, you could save up some money and spend 500 to $1,000 and you could be you could be in one of those beautiful places on earth for five to seven days. Ooh, all right. That sounds enticing. Um, Sam, one question I do want to ask is I know with the hustle, you're, you're, you're getting your, um, a lot of experience being in such a big position, but I want to kind of ask, um, do you right now have maybe another venture that in the future you might like to start or get into? Um, well, um, this company, so we just, raised around of funding, so I'm tied, I'm tied to this business for a long time, I think, but um, so I'm bullish on media because um, I think that like Fox News and CNN, their average viewer is aged like literally 68 years old, so I think that they're, they're these big media companies that make tens of billions of dollars a year are going to die very soon because their users are dying. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely fascinated by media. Um, I think one stereotypical thing, I don't know if it's stereotypical in, in everywhere else, but at least in San Francisco, is um, self-driving cars are super interesting. Um, if I could go back in time, I would study some type of engineering so I could uh, know more about self-driving cars. I think that in the next five years, that is going to be, it's going to be normal, self-driving cars. Um, what else? Are there any other uh, industries? Um, Self-driving cars. Um, oh, uh, agriculture. I'm really bullish on agriculture. I think that uh, my family is in agriculture, and I think that there's this type of thing, this type of agriculture called precision agriculture, which basically they just use robots and drones and all types of cool technology in order to uh, make the process more efficient. Um, I'm super um, bullish on making that more efficient because America is so good at growing crops that if you can just improve it just by a little bit, it could make a massive impact on the world. So I'm really bullish on agriculture 
And um, if I wanted to start a huge company today, I would also get into trucking. I think trucking is interesting to me as well. That's such a diverse I amount know, of answers. Yeah, like, <laughs> how do you get from one thing to the next? It's crazy. Well, you know, trucking like trucking like like runs the, like is the backbone of all three of those things are like the backbone of of America. Like trucking like is the part of the is an infrastructure part of America that if it went down, we'd all be screwed. Like you you literally would go hungry. Um like, don't you ever wonder how it's crazy how you can eat, like, an avocado in New York during, like, wintertime? It's, like, because the trucking industry is so good that they can get you avocados from Mexico that still are ready to be eaten up to New York, like, so fast. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. I remember I talked to a trucker one time, and, and the amount of, like, hours that he works, and he sleeps in the back of his van. So I'm like, man, I have a lot more respect for what you guys do because that is so crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. It's totally awesome. And there's, and it's still super raw area. So my parents work with truckers a lot. And they don't like, if you taught a trucker how to like tweet, like that would be awesome. They would be able to um, tell all their other like trucker buddies what's going on, where they are, if there's a wreck or like if there's a, I mean, it's just, it's super dope, I think. And uh, I think that they're, they're, they're relatively uh behind in terms of technology, but they're so good at their job that if you could just insert a little bit of technology in there, I think it would make life a lot better. Interesting, yeah. That that yeah, that is pretty interesting. I didn't even think about that. That's that's crazy. Um I wanted to get back to your your the hustle. Um yeah. and you know when I think of media like new age media today, I think of like Huffington Post or like Thought Catalog. Could you kind of, you know, yeah. See, like, explain to the listeners how your company falls in in between those kind of new age media companies. Yeah, you know what's funny is the internet moves so fast that companies like Thought Catalog and HuffPo are considered old news. I mean, um, uh, HuffPo started in '06, maybe, and they don't have a very good reputation anymore amongst amongst a lot of people. Um, Thought Catalog, I, I, I respect Thought Catalog because they're mostly bootstrapped and they built a meaningful business, but uh, they're kind of almost at this point old news as well. They start, when did they launch? In 10, maybe 2011? Um, but the way that we compare to them is I think that HuffPo, well, HuffPo covers politics and they have a very um, liberal bias. We don't cover politics, and I think that I don't think we have as much as of a liberal bias. Um, I think that uh, Thought Catalog is, is more of a platform. Um, uh, Thought, Thought Catalog is more of a platform, so anyone could write. And so I think that they publish like 100 articles a day. So what the hustle does is we just tell you, we, we tell you only the important things that you need to know. So each morning, when you, so basically what, what happens is you sign up for the hustle, and each morning you get an email that tells you everything in the world of business and news and culture and why, what it means and why it matters to you. Um, and so we just tell you what you need to know, as opposed to um, HuffPo and ThoughtJournal. Like each article for those types of sites probably gets like a hundred views or a thousand views, and one or two articles will just go crazy viral and get like a million, two million, three million views. With with us, we have a really small editorial team, but a, a much larger growth marketing and engineering team, and our email or our article gets read by every one of our readers. Does that make sense? It does. Wow. That's a lot of power right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You can't mess up. But 
Um, yeah, so basically, you know, what we're, you know, I don't know what, how much traffic does Thought Catalog have? 20 million readers a month. We have 3 million, so we're a little bit smaller. But um, when our team publishes something, uh, most people will read it as opposed to Thought Catalog where it's more of a, uh, a spray method where it, it, it has a very low average but lots of quantity. Got you. Yeah. So you're trying to get more of the the quality into your your uh, your subscribers' uh, media well, inbox. Yeah, I think that the I think that there's two there's two problems that we're trying to solve. The first problem is that media or information rather is commodity. Like you don't click on articles that as much as you used to on Facebook because you see the headline from dozens of different places and it's all the same shit. They're saying the same stuff. It's not that different from one another. Um, also, an issue with media right now is um, is distribution. So they publish on Facebook, but they don't get seen by that many people. Or they publish on Twitter. I mean, I just tweeted something out to, or had something tweeted out to close to a quarter of a million people, and literally 80 people clicked on it. So like, people just aren't clicking a lot of stuff. And so the problem that we're trying to solve is how can we make your life easy by telling you exactly what you need to care about as opposed to letting you try to figure it out by clicking on random articles on Facebook, but also as a publisher and as an advertiser, how can we make it so your whatever you want to create will get seen no matter what as opposed to having to uh, play Facebook games? Ooh, well, we definitely appreciate that hot take pipe bomb about the media industry. And I definitely, when you were explaining, I was like, you know what? He's making a lot of sense. But um, we just want to thank you for once again appearing and taking the time to talk with us. Um, before you go, we just want to ask you two simple questions. The first one is, um, how could people contact you and learn more about the hustle? Okay, so if you just Google the hustle, um, you can you can find us and enter your email. So the hustle, unlike those sites, we don't publish articles on the internet we only send an email that's all we do we're just we're a newsletter and it's very simple so uh, google the hustle or go to thehustle.co and you can sign up and enter your email um, and then my email is sam at thehustle.co and uh, i respond to a lot of emails so uh, uh, people can shoot me a message um, i'm also on twitter at the sam Parr, but i typically only use that to troll people so uh, <laughs> that's the perfect use for twitter yeah, right. That's like, a good I, disclaimer too. I only use it when I'm pissed off at Bank of America just to like yell at them. Or um, <laughs> I, I like um, I like uh, one of my favorite things is to go to foxnews.com and then click the comment section and just troll commenters. So I usually put my Twitter there because I like it in fights online with people. I think it's fun. <laughs> well, that's that's definitely memorable. And um, the last question is, um, what would be some last things you want to impart? To our listeners, well, what's who's the average listener? Um, like, young uh, millennials, yeah, like someone twenty to twenty-five, mm-hmm. working. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things. Um, the first is learn a skill. Don't get, don't become, don't, don't say that you're good at something and not actually have a skill set. You know, whether it be um, copywriting or sales or computer engineering or interviewing or podcasting whatever it is just be real try to like pick something that you really like and try your hardest to get really really good at it so it's a skill on the same way that an athlete like lebron does dribbling drills all the time i think that people should pick a skill and just get very good at it um 
it doesn't even matter if they plan on using it in real life. The, the point of having a skill is that it translates over to a lot of other things. So one piece of advice I give people, I think, is they should do a skill, uh, pick a skill and, and, and practice it all the time. Uh, another thing I think is uh, um, go work for uh, a big company and use all their money to learn uh, and to learn on the job and to make a lot of mistakes. And then if you want to start a business, start it after uh, a year or two of working for someone else. It makes everything else a lot easier. Um, and then the final thing that I give people is uh, really practical and it's create a spreadsheet where you manage all your expenses. Uh, way too many young people spend more money than they're earning and that's a huge mistake and it really, really sucks if you fuck that up early in life. Uh, yeah. I agree. The gem bells. <laughs> I agree with that. I, I I use like apps and stuff like that to try to keep my spending low. But um, which one? I use um I used to use Mint, but now I'm on Personal Capital. Oh, cool! I've heard of that one. I use a little bit of a different one, but it's probably similar. I think that the the key is not to spend little, but it's to make a lot. But while you're not, if you're most people, you know, when they're below thirty, you don't make that much money, so you do have to spend a little. But you just have to keep track of spending and be very disciplined. I, I think it's important. Even people who are super rich, even the richest people. I, I know I, I know a, 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 about two guys who are worth north of a billion dollars. And I know a bunch of really rich people. And they're all really, really cheap and frugal. So I think that you should always be frugal. Uh, I think it's a good way to stay disciplined. Okay. Wow. Like, well, we it, appreciate it, it. It's like working out, you know? Like when you work out. You feel better about your body, but then you also get more done at work. Being frugal, I think, is similar. When you say discipline like that, you it, that discipline carries over to other parts of your life. All right. Well, we appreciate you dropping that knowledge for us. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully it helps. Most definitely. Thank you so much, Sam, for the interview. All right, guys. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And there you have it, folks. Mr. Sam Parr giving us some tips on how to hustle a little better. Emilio, what you think, man? I, was, I thought you were doing a Meek Mills impersonation when you came out hollering like that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> No, um, to, to, to get on the subject, oh, it was an amazing interview. I mean, it's, it's crazy that you talked to Sam and he, you know, was the CEO and founder of the hustle, which has three million readers a day. And he's, he sounds like a normal guy, you know, he, you know, he definitely just kind of sounds like a guy that you could, you know, walk into your library or, you know, on the street and bump into and talk to. But, you know, it just, it refers the point that people who go out and do these great things, the main thing that they have going for them is that they decided that they wanted to be great and do something. And he just drives home that point. Like, you know, that's the biggest difference. If you have that confidence and belief in yourself, you can do a lot of amazing, great things. And Sam's interview should really reiterate to everyone that it's that easy. And I don't feel like there's any time during an interview where he wasn't saying something that no one listening couldn't go out and do for themselves. So, you know, very powerful, very impactful. And it's great to see that, you know, an everyday man is out here winning. Yeah, I think it was cool that while he was selling his first business, like for fun, he started something. He started his own book club thing that, you know, people following him that could 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 just go on the website and see what he's reading. And uh, so he does he does business ventures for fun. So it's pretty cool to to talk to him. And we thank him for his time. 
We do, we do, we do. But of course, with no delay, we gotta get to you guys what you're really here for. The real funk of the podcast. How you, yes, you can reach us. Educate Hustle can be reached through a variety of different means on social media. We are on Snapchat at Educate a Hustle, all one word, Educated Hustle. There we try to post little snaps, little inspirational behind the scene videos just to get you guys for your week. We are also on Instagram at Educated Hustle Podcast. Once again, that is Educated Hustle Podcast. There we post photos and maybe sometimes little videos just to show you guys what we have going on this week with our podcast. We are also on Facebook where you can follow us at Educated Hustle. That's two words, Educated Hustle. You know you've reached the right page because you'll see that lovely logo that you all know and love. Now, before I continue, we need your help. If you really enjoy Educate Hustle and it really strikes a core with you and you really want more people to know about it, please, please, please leave us a review. When you leave reviews, our popularity and awareness goes up and we get out to more people, which in turn means we give you guys a lot more guests and more quality interviews. So please do your part and leave a review. If you aren't really able to leave a review at whatever format you listen to us, then just you know, promote us on your Facebook or your Twitter, tell a friend, get someone to give us a listen so they too can get caught on the Educator Hustle train. Now, back to your regularly scheduled plugging. You can also follow Educator Hustle on Twitter at Educated underscore Hustle. Once again, that is Educated underscore Hustle. There we tweet, have interactions. It's a very quick way to get at us because if you tweet something at us, we will be sure to get back to you quick, quick. (laughs) Now, lastly, if you feel that we have changed your life and this podcast has just brought such an emotional closure to you, please, please contact us through our email Educated Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is Educated Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what we can do to improve it. Hey, if you want to be a guest on the show and you're trying to figure out how to do it, email us. Please, please, please. We are open, wide arms open. We want to hear from you. <sighs> and that's it, right? <laughs> that's it yeah y'all every week i just got to keep you know remembering remember remember but yeah that's it (laughs) that's amazing man all right but you know you gotta do it man lead us out people 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 always relish the fact that every day you have a chance to start over and do something great you know if you wake up today know that there's another opportunity to change your life and do something great and Really, you have to decide you want to do it. And it doesn't have to be a big, big push. You don't have to like quit your job and put $5,000 on your business. It could be something simple as you just opening up a book about an industry that you like and learning more about it. And I think that's what you know gets people really intimidated. They feel like that when they have to do a life change, it's got to be dramatic. But it doesn't have to be. It can be real small and easy in preparations. Um, Sam was telling us he read a lot of books. Those books that he read 
really inspired him and got his mind right so that when he went out to do his businesses, he had that background. So, you know, that's what I want to say to everyone. Take small steps, take small leaps, because guess what? When you have a whole bunch of small ways, eventually they turn into a title. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say something about Jay-Z at the end, but I I had nothing. But you get what I'm trying to say, though. (laughs) You know, but yeah, basically, you know, go out there and take the small steps needed to become great. Doesn't happen in one day. Michael Jordan didn't become a champion on one night. It was a career long career long move so use that to empower you to go out there and be great yes 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 and you gotta stay educated and keep hustling